and welcome to the Great Food Debate presented by This Week Community News, a podcast about where to eat, drink, and more in Central Ohio. I'm Abby Armbruster, your host of this show, and today's episode will be going back in time to the 80s when G.D. Ritzy's was king of burgers, shoestring fries, and ice cream. At one time, Ritzy's had 100 stores open nationwide. Franchise locations op- remain open in Evansville, Indiana, Huntington, West Virginia, and Owensboro, Kentucky, but the last G.D. Ritzy's in Central Ohio closed in 1991 until now. Ritzy's is making a comeback with their location at 4615 North High Street in Clintonville. The restaurant is slated to open on September 6th, which means if all goes according to plan, you can head to Ritzy's right after you finish listening to this episode. But that got me thinking, what other Columbus classics do we miss? Our guests today have a long list of restaurants they wish would come back or at least feed our nostalgia for this episode. Uh, So if our panelists could tell me their name, what they do, and how long they've been in Columbus. My name is Delara Casey. I have been in Columbus since the year 2000, and I run an Instagram account called Ferocious Appetite. Perfect. Next we have... I am Neil Thompson. I'm the editor for content and special projects for This Week Community News. I've lived in Columbus for 11 years and moved here in 2007. Perfect. And finally, we have... I'm uh, Jim Ellison, lifelong resident of Columbus, which is a long time. (laughs) Um, I run Columbus Brew Adventures, which is our local brewery tour company, and I also do uh, the blog CMH Gourmand. So I've been eating uh, online for a long time, too. Perfect. (laughs) Uh, All right. So uh, most of you guys have been on the podcast before, so we'll go around the table and say what place we missed the most, or if you can't narrow down, a couple of places. So, Delara, you want to kick it off? Yeah. So when I first moved to Columbus, I was a vegetarian. So I want to preface that because that really drove a lot of my dining decisions. And there were a lot of vegetarian restaurants that maybe weren't, you know, uh, maybe a little more off the beaten path. But um, the one that I probably missed the most is Dragonfly Neo V Cuisine. It was in Grandview Avenue. It was owned and operated by Mogdial Walmack and his partner, Kristen Austin. And that restaurant was so symbolic, so light years away ahead of their time with food tastes and textures and infusions and treatments and farm to table. And like, I mean, they didn't have salt and pepper on the table because you didn't need it. Wow. It was so complete and so beautiful and artisanal. And I just, uh, slightly heartbroken that it, that it left. And it was, a, it was, a, like I said, it was a vegan restaurant, but I brought carnivores there with me and we would have, you know, um, lavender infused vodka, lemonade drinks and heirloom tomato sorbet and just some amazing things. So I miss that the most. Uh, I also really miss another vegetarian hotspot whole world, which is which was located in Clintonville it was around for about 30 years. So it was definitely a hallmark for vegetarianism and they had some really amazing comfort food based 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 dishes that that had a vegetarian influence. Uh, And then also, I I also really miss a lot of the Liz Liz Lesnar concepts, like Betty's, Surly Girl, uh, the Chintz Room, I think, was the last one closed recently. So, And the Chintz Room's been reincarnated, and that's a whole other story, maybe another podcast. But (laughs) I think those would be my top ones, and we'll dig into more later, I'm sure. Sure. All right. And Neil, what do you miss the most? I have two that I'm going to share to start out uh, with from uh, from my list. Uh, the first one is a small pizzeria that was on site of Darby Road in Hilliard, just west of Walcott Road. Uh, it was a location for several other restaurants, which I imagine we'll talk about at some point in the future here. But it was called Dalforno's Pizza. And the best thing about Dalforno's, it was the only place I could find in central Ohio serving legitimate 
West Virginia style pepperoni rolls. And when I say legitimate, I mean it has raw pepperoni inside the roll. So we're not talking slices, the actual pepperoni sticks baked into the bread. And it was it was fantastic. It was there for uh, was there for a couple years and then was gone. Uh, but I would I would get pepperoni rolls from Del Forno's at least once a week. I loved it that much. And then my second uh, my second restaurant uh, that I am going to mention uh, was a contemporary of Five Guys Burgers and Fries arrival in Columbus. It was Graffiti Burger. And so it was uh, it, it was building on the build your own burger uh, craze that that occurred here uh, several years ago, and Graffiti Burger had several locations: uh, West Fifth Avenue uh, in Grandview in Grandview Heights, and one in Dublin along Sawmill Road that uh, were the locations that I visited the most. But great burgers and wonderful milkshakes, and those are the those are the two that. I, I miss and still still think about it when I drive by those those locations where they once were. All right. And Jim, what about you? All right. Well, I have comments on all the places mentioned <laughs> so far, and I'm going to encourage uh, your gigantic listener base to email in uh, to support that we should have an entire episode on pepperoni rolls. Oh, all right. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. We can do that. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to start with, to me, the most important, because this is the place that really got me interested in food, opened my eyes up to food as being a very different thing, and actually got me into food writing. It's like made me passionate enough to like, I need to like write about this, even if nobody reads it. Um, so Galaxy Cafe, uh, Ricky Barnes started up in Powell, then opened a second location in Grandview, and then a spinoff called Lost Planet Pizza and Pasta. And for several years, that was just the mecca of cool, fun, innovative food. Um, like anything that's great and wonderful, it was destined to have that, like, phoenix burn and disintegrate experience <laughs> then he came back for a little bit as uh, ricky's galaxy um, which has a, a tangential connection to uh, liz lesner's first restaurant betty's and then came back also briefly as a co-owner for the first year of the explorers club down in marion village so galaxy cafe was critical to my development as a food person well well, food-obsessed person is, is what we'll say for that. And then two other quick ones that I'll mention, because uh, I know we've got a ton of places to talk about. Uh, CBC Restaurant, which just recently closed, or Columbus Brewing Company Restaurant. Yeah. Uh, huge hit, very unexpected by pretty much everybody, and was really critical to the brewery district to survive 21 years in that area that has boom and bust periods. It was a really big deal. It was very important to the craft community. And then related to that also in the brewery district, uh, the hot Brewing Company uh, was really important to the takeoff of the brewery district um, back in the late 80s. So uh, that lasted from 89 until 2001. Uh, Jim, quick question about CBC. So what's the difference between CBC and then Columbus Brewing Company? Because aren't there two different restaurants that are under the same name? uh, No. Okay. Uh, But that that is a long-term perception and was a challenge for the restaurant at the end. So Columbus Brewing Company was the city's first brewery started in 1988, the state's second brewery. Yeah. And when they started, they really struggled as a business. People didn't get craft beer back in the late 80s. Uh, A deal was kind of brokered to say, hey, we're going to put our brewery in this half of the space. And back then, the way to get beer to the people wasn't like today, where you can just have a tap room where it's like, hey, we make it here and we serve it to you 10 feet away. It's Mm -hmm. like you need a distributor or a brew pub. So they cut a deal with the Cameron Mitchell restaurant company where Cameron was just taking off and say, hey, you run the restaurant. We'll make beer. We're two separate businesses, not really connected, but this is 
mutually beneficial. Okay. And it's actually written into the contract that the restaurant had to be called Columbus Brewing Company Restaurant. Oh. Well, the brewery, when it started, had three different owners later, and the restaurant, one owner later, things changed a lot over 21 years. So they were always separate entities, but that got a little bit confusing towards the end. I see. Okay. I love that trivia. Yeah. 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 Okay. Good to know. And I, I do believe we brought up uh, some of the history, not to that mm-hmm. detail, but uh, we did do a brewery episode very early in our catalog, if you want to go back and listen to that. All right. So um, we, we obviously already brought up a couple of different episode, uh, different restaurants, rather. Um, but do you think that any of them would actually succeed if they came back today? Delara, what do you think? I, th- I think so, yeah. I mean, I, I have a really long list. And so first of all, uh, and I was talking, we were talking earlier before we turned the mics on about like writing this list was emotionally draining because mm-hmm. I wasn't writing about a restaurant. I was writing about food, which triggers memories, which triggers experiences that you had. I mean, I'm talking about the place mm-hmm. I took my husband on our first date. I'm talking about the place where my kids first went out to dinner. I'm talking about a place where my friend got engaged. And so for me, this like, emo- it was so, so to roundabout answer your question, yes, I do believe because there is an emotional connection to food, which is through a lot of these places. And, you know, Columbus has evolved and changed a lot as a city over the years. And I think that some of these people were way ahead of their time. Some of these people were just maybe a slight little bit off the mark. Mm-hmm. And with a little bit of tweaking or a little bit of time, they would have all had success. And, and some of these places, you know, the owners just said, I'm done. Like whole world, like Dan was like, I'm just done. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to retire and say goodbye to this business. So sure. I think it's all different variables, but I think they could all be successful. Absolutely. And with Ritzy's, the main thing that we got whenever we covered uh, the the new opening of the Clintonville location is that everybody said, that was my first job in high school, or that's where I met my girlfriend. Yeah. Or, so people do have those, those attachment to that restaurant specifically. Yeah. And I think too, um, you know, a restaurant's success is usually based off of two things combining really good food food that's consistently served and a really good experience. And so if you can nail those things and be consistent, that's the key to success. If one thing, if the wheels fall off of the consistency of your food or the consistency of your experience, um, you're going to have some trouble. And so that happens. I mean, the restaurant industry has high turnover. So making sure that everything's consistent is a challenge and and it's something that, you know, people don't often pay attention to. Well, and Jim, I mean, you mentioned three different restaurants, uh, but are there other places that you think would definitely kill if they opened up? You know, today uh, about a hundred places that we've discussed <laughs> already. But th- to add to the conversation already, so I, I think that is right. It's like a, a lot of these restaurants are just like, hey, you know what? I've been doing this for twenty years, and. I'm ready. I, it's just time for me to go do something else. Not mm-hmm. that the profits were bad or the food was bad or even that the customers dramatically turned down. It's just like there's only so long that you can sustain something. Yeah. And most of the places that we talk about were kind of owner or chef driven places, right? It's not like you open it up and can turn it over to other people. Once that person goes away, you the lose the feel of it. Of it. Yeah. It's like Rigsby's and other places like that. Yeah. I think another thing, not for places that we've mentioned for the most part, but there was this very much the symptom in Columbus in the 80s and the 90s of like you got to get giant gigantic, right? And grow faster than you should. And that's what happened to Damon's and Max and Irma's and 55 Restaurant Group and Ritzy's, right? right? It's like, let's grow, 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 grow. Mm -hmm. And there's just a certain point where you you grow too quickly and you can't maintain what made you special great. Mm -hmm. And then a third thing I see that would play in today is Columbus didn't have a lot of great choices in the 80s and 90s. 
we have a lot of really good choices now. So that makes it hard to stand out. Or even if you're a great restaurant that used to be in the uh, twice a month rotation, when there's a lot more good places out there, you shift to the once a month or once every two months. And that affects how many people are coming through the door. Absolutely. Neil, do you have anything to add to that? I, I agree with everything that Jim and Delora are saying, and it it it's a hard it's a hard industry. And uh, you know, I think about the two that I mentioned with Dal Forno. It closed in 2013. Graffiti Burger closed in 2014. And I think you know you saw a lot of restaurants closing around those times. And the theme with those two, though, they were small, they were limited, they weren't open. Uh, for for all that long, and there's a variety of factors that that can contribute uh, that can contribute to that. So I I, I think that at, at any point you could come back and say yes, we could thrive today. And with with Graffiti Burger to answer your original question, to, to Delora, I mean, there's so many types of burger joints just like that right now. Right. And so the the the, the need is there. It's just. Uh, so many factors, so many factors play into it. Right. And there's also, you know, there's a statistic that says that most restaurants close before their third year anniversary. So that's a really pivotal time. That's when you kind of make it or break it. Mm -hmm. And so once they make it over that hump, usually there's some success. But again, I mean, there's just, it's a tough industry and Mm -hmm. with so many options, you know, it's, it's tough. The classic line in the restaurant biz, if you want to make a million dollars running a restaurant, start with three million, right? And that's about (laughs) how long it takes to get through that money is about three years. Absolutely. And I think Neil did mention earlier, too, he's like, I single-handedly have tried to keep these restaurants in business. (laughs) Those pepperoni rolls. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so when Ritzy's first announced that they would come back uh, about a year ago, we asked our reporters and editors what restaurants they missed most. And um, just throwing out a whole bunch of uh, places, since I'm sure some of them will br- be brought up, like Damon's was already mentioned, uh, Kahiki, Dexter's, uh, Semeno's, um Italian restaurant, Florentines, Fuddruckers, which we mentioned that on the burger episode, uh, Moore's Ice Cream, High Lie, um, Brown Derby, Patrick J's, Flaky Jake's, Chi Chi's, Pharrell's Ice Cream Parlor, Schlossky's Deli, Payway Asian Diner, Zen, uh, Bento Gogo, Da Vinci's, or at least the original location there, uh, Merlion, I think, in Clintonville. M-E-R-L-I-O-N. I might be mispronouncing uh, that. Short run. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Super yeah, short. it did exist. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Babushka's Kitchen in Clintonville. Yeah. Tom and Chi, which is a national yeah. chain, but they don't exist here anymore. Um, the old uh, Boulevard Restaurant in the old City Center Mall. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike's Ribs and Barbecue. Um, and Betty's, you already mentioned, and Surly Girl. Racks, which is in Lancaster and Circleville, but not close enough for us, apparently. Uh, and then the Wine Cellar and Street Scene Subs on the OSU campus. So, obviously, that's a, kind of a long list, but I'm sure we would bring yeah. bring up some uh, of those. To backtrack, Babushka's might have had a slightly better chance if they could have gotten a liquor license. Oh, and yeah. And getting a liquor license today in Clintonville is a lot easier than it was <laughs> oh, yeah. 10 years ago. You don't have to fight and tooth and nail to get them like yeah. you used to. The, yes. the neighborhood has changed. Yes, absolutely. And you mentioned Kahiki, and we were kind of talking a little bit before the mics Mm -hmm. came on Mm -hmm. about that restaurant as an experience. Like, you didn't necessarily go there because they had a really great dish. It was because it's, when your friends came from out of town, where do you go? You go to Kahiki. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, Jim, I think you probably went there the most. It wasn't even around when Neil moved Mm -hmm. here. I was, I said, I went there the last day just to say Mm -hmm. I went and got a drink. Um, But yeah, I thought like, man, Elvis might walk through here. Like, it was just a wild 
wild place. Uh, uh, you know, Kahiki, I, I probably underappreciated it a little bit because I was fairly young at, when I was first introduced to it. But I do remember when they were closing, I was like, oh, crap. Can I say that on this podcast? Yes. <laughs> um, I don't know if I have one of those cheap little uh, kitsy type glasses. I need to go check and see if I have one. If not, I've got to go get one, right? Yeah. So it's like it's like I've got to preserve history in a very uh, unauthentic way. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but it, it was a real shame to lose that because it was a historic building and it was replaced by a Walgreens, Walgreens. or something yeah. like that. It's like it's yeah. like I I think we're okay with Walgreens. Mm-hmm. I think that that we could have been we could have held on to that and done something with that. Yes. Didn't they have to like peel the roof over? Open to take that giant statue out. I mean, that is like <laughs> legit. That's yeah. a landmark. Yes. You know? <laughs> it was built to last Ex- forever. <laughs> so it was, but it didn't. So that was, yeah, that yeah. was sad. So, and Jim, what would you typically order when you went there? Uh, it's vague. I can't remember. I just remember being intrigued by like, oh, there's, there's different like totem pole head type glasses that have the smoke coming out of them. It's yeah. like, give me three. Right. Right. It's like, how cool. And like most of my experiences, experiences there was a, a little kid. So my parents would order me and I wouldn't even remember what it was. Yeah. Uh, we had a couple runs there in college and we probably maybe drank more than we ate. So sure. that would be a little bit fuzzy as far as my recollections there, but there would have been pineapple involved and, and yeah. probably ham. Cause it was, you know, Polynesian. Right. I was going to say Mai Tais. Yeah. Pineapple yeah. ham Mai Tai. Yeah. Delicious. I mean, for, for those people Sorry. familiar with grass skirt, which, uh, you know, that would a yeah. little bit of the characteristics yeah. of grass skirt at Kahiki, but a little different level. Dialed up. Gotcha. Yeah. Dialed up <laughs> with velvet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, uh, so, Delari, you were already talking about some of those memories. So what restaurant really stands out that, you know, either it was something that was a, of significance that really brings up memories for you? Yeah, I'll get super nostalgic. So for me, Betty's, I, my husband and I, we were friends for a long time and we decided to like, do you want to go get dinner together? Like, is this a date? And we went to Betty's and he got the crab cakes and I got the vegetarian dish. I mean, I remember it so vividly. I remember what I was wearing. Uh, we've been married for 11 years. We have two kids and I just remember walking. It was the winter time and I remember walking out of Betty's and it was really cold and uh, we held hands and I thought like, I think I'm going to marry this guy. <laughs> and so it was just like that, I mean, that, you know, that moment, that time. And I was like, man, Betty's has a special place in my heart. And so, yeah, I think for that nostalgia. Um, and then also there was a place in Grandview called Lulu's. Yeah. I don't know how long it was around. It was next to the yoga studio. So yeah, like, I wouldn't think like three years. years. Yeah. yeah, it was a neglected little place. Um, but my girlfriends and I would always go there because they had wine for market price oh. and a dollar corking fee. So you could get a <laughs> bottle of wine for like $8 and then appetizers were half off for, so for like $12. Two people could stay forever. And I just remember having so many, you know, it was like a coming of age time for me. I was in my twenties and we were just bonding over what's life going to be like. And mm-hmm. Lulu's had this like leopard print motif yeah. with red carpet and it was just really kitschy and fun. And so those are probably two bookmarks that I would always remember. And did you go to Betty's before it closed or? I did. I I mean, after, you know, after the date that, you know, set the rest of my life on a path. Right. Um, I mean, yeah, I went back to Betty's, but, you know, I, I don't like when I heard they were closing, I, I didn't like rush to go. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I went, I went, um, I went and had a drink or something and just for nostalgia's sake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I did it at the Kahiki and I didn't feel much when I left, so I didn't right. feel it was necessary. But right. yeah, it's a, like I'll have those memories. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. And uh, Jim, does, is there a particular restaurant that stands out for you? Uh, yes. It's uh, Ricky's Galaxy slash Lost Planet because it was very much in fusion during its last year. Mm-hmm. And it was in the space of Betty's. Oh, so here's, wow. here is the story. Full the circle. story of my life. So this is the rest of the podcast right here. <laughs> so clearly I was very bonded to everything that Ricky Barnes did. And we were became pretty good friends. And he uh, took some cooking classes and stuff with him. And uh, this was 2001. Right. Yeah. 2001. Um, And I had had this great meal with him. He'd been working on this specific dish and he had nailed it. It was like adobo cornbread or something with all this stuff dumped on it. It was amazing. He's like, Jim, I think I finally got this right. I want you to try it. I'm like, you nailed it, buddy. You nailed it. Next time I'm in here, I'm getting two of these. Right. So I went to Ireland on vacation. And this is 2001. It's uh, September 2001. And so uh, we're coming back from Ireland to the United States, and the engine fails on our airplane, and the pilot's on, hey, we're going to turn around and go back to Ireland because we only have one working engine right now. So we get back, and we offload, and we've been in the the air forever, and they're not sure. They're sending us all to hotels. Like, we're going to try again tomorrow. So I'm like, okay, that's fine. And as we're getting ready to get on the shuttle bus to go to the hotel, this announcement goes off in the airport. It's like 3 in the morning. It's like, anybody on flight, whatever, whatever. We found some new pilots. We've got a new plane for you. If you get on the plane right now, you can go back to the United States. So because I was about half of those people that made it back on that plane, I got back on September 10th, 2000, right? Just before 9-11. Had not, I would have been trapped in Ireland for three or four weeks, which would have been outstanding. (laughs) So anyway, so I get back to the United States and it's late and I wake up the next morning and I'm going into work and I hear about 9-11, right? And so work gets shut down because we're a government agency. And I like, what can I do to make my life right? And it's like, there's only one thing I can do. I'll go down to, you know, Lost Planet Galaxy and, and get a great meal. So I walk in the front door and like everything's changed. And I've only been gone about 10 days at this point. And I'm like, is this some weird twilight zone going on? Am I in a different reality? So I walked into Betty's, I think their first day of operation. Oh, wow. And that I met Liz Lester and said, Hey, welcome to Betty's. I'm like, what happened to <laughs> my favorite restaurant in the whole world? What's going on? He's like, Oh, well, we're Betty's now, blah, blah, blah. And I was in such a state of shock that I just walked around and left. <laughs> Um, Liz and I wound up becoming really good friends afterwards. We had a lot of great visits and stuff. So that physical space yeah. has a ton of memories for me because yeah. I was a huge fan of it's Betty's too. Yeah, That's I'm glad true. you didn't hold that against her. I didn't. <laughs> uh, and Neil, what, what place stands out for you that has a really good uh, nostalgia memory stuck to it? Well, since I didn't grow up here, I have a very limited experience, but I do have that nostalgia. Uh, the first was Chi-Chi's, and it was one of the first Mexican places I was ever introduced to. My parents would take us uh, take us here there when uh, we visited Columbus, and I always remember the location on Bryce Road because it was heading out of town on 70 East. We I grew up in eastern Ohio, and a lot of times we'd stop by that location that uh, is just north of 70, and uh, I. I, I loved it. The fried ice cream, I remember from uh, from the first experience I had that when I was a child. And I don't remember all that much about it, but I know that I, I loved going to uh, to Chi-Chi's. Did you lie and say it was your birthday when you went? Uh, I, it, was al- it was always my birthday. Yeah. Guess, uh, they put the big sombrero on your head and sing the song. I was just I, confused by the language. He yeah. misinterpreted Is birthday. This, yeah. Yeah. I don't even remember all that. It's, it's just a, it was a great experience and something that... Uh, I didn't get a lot of 
when I was growing up in eastern Ohio. And now it, there are a lot of Mexican restaurants at, at, many, at many locations, but wasn't always the case where, where I grew up. My second one... Um, I guess I'll go ahead and tell tell a secret about myself here. My, my oh yeah, everybody's waiting now. So. I got my pen up. Already yeah, ready. This down. My second one is Damon's. Mm-hmm. Now I thought Damon's Damon's was a great concept in its time, and I think that uh, people getting uh, TV technology getting a little bit better, and people being able to own uh, better televisions and have access to uh, the wider world of sports did not help the Damon's concept. <laughs> but when it was in its heyday, mm-hmm. that was a great opportunity to, to watch all kinds of sports at the same time on a huge screen or multiple huge screens with the volume control at your own table. And a rack of ribs in mm-hmm. front of you. And a rack of ribs or a steak or anything that you want. Now, here's, here's my secret with that. It's nostalgic, and I always remember it uh, because I didn't go to one here, but for my senior prom in, again, eastern Ooh. Ohio and the city of Marietta, that's where we went uh, for a restaurant. And I, I will <laughs> I always know. I will always remember I went to Damon's prom. for my senior prom. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed part one of our throwback to some of our favorite restaurants in Columbus that used to be here. We had so much fun discussing the nostalgia behind some of these restaurants that we actually divided this into two parts. So you'll have to tune in next week to find out more restaurants that we miss and also what restaurants we really, really love so much that if they left Columbus tomorrow, we'd be heartbroken. So tune in next week. We will be joined by Neil Thompson, Delara Casey, and Jim Ellison again. And we will finish up this conversation about Ritzy's returning and then also what restaurants we we miss and what restaurants we hope never leave us. We'll see you then. (music) 